Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week is Coco Goff, who you know, of course, as the 15-year-old who has made an assault on the WTA Tour and is now in the top 100 and has already won a WTA title. That was in Linz. A uh, little background, um, I'm writing a sort of a year-end piece on one of the breakthrough performers of 2019, Coco, and I said to her, you know what, why don't we take some of this audio and turn it into a podcast and get two for the price of one? She was agreeable. So uh, here sort of are some audio outtakes from a fun conversation with Coco Goff. You're in Florida. Where are you? You're home? Yeah, home. Delray Beach. It's Thursday. School day. What was yeah. your uh, What was your yeah. day like? Uh, woke up, went to practice, rained, did school, tried to practice again, hit for a couple minutes and it rained again, and then went to fitness. And now I'm doing this. <laughs> we need to get you some indoor so, courts. I know. Fortunately, unfortunately, I think there's only like one in South Florida. And it never rains in South Florida. Give give us some. Um, no. we'll, we'll talk tennis in a minute. But what? Um, give us you. You gave us great memes at Wimbledon. What's your best meme these days? Oh, meme. You yeah. Said? What What would you be um, yelling at the cat? Um, I just. So I went Leonard, so he had a couple, you know, I don't know if you saw, but he got, he went viral a couple times on the internet for some funny things. So I would say he's the best meme right now. You haven't seen the, you haven't seen the woman yelling at the cat? Oh yes, that one. Oh, the white cat. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, what else are you up to these days? You, you, you blew through Stranger Things? I finished that. Is Hopper, um, is Hopper dead? Uh, what do you think? Actually, I mean, I, I know, but like, I don't want to spoil it for people if they're gonna read this. <laughs> you you think Hopper's really dead? I 
Well, you, I think so, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he looked pretty dead. He looked pretty dead. Me. <laughs> we will see in season four. I, I tried to he died, but he didn't die. That would be a waste of years. <laughs> um, all right. So if you're if you're writing the story of your 2019. What uh, what what's mm-hmm. the take? What's the takeaway? What did what did you learn about yourself? What are the highlights? You you uh you you put this in your words. Looking back, um, I would say definitely a roller coaster, but mainly going up. Um, and a lot of cool met a lot of cool people. I would say it's kind of I would say right as like a fairy tale. I feel like it was so like magical that it could be co in a fiction section. That's what I would say. That's how you. That's how you look at it. Yeah, because I mean, I wasn't expecting any of this, and I mean, you dream about it, but you don't expect it to happen. I you. So I saw. I saw this week you met Kawhi. Yeah. The people at the uh, the people at the Nets were saying you you'd met Kyrie a few mm-hmm. a few weeks a few months back. Yeah. Who, who else you get to meet? The former fir- former first um, lady. Yes, we met her, Jaden Willow Smith. Um, oh my gosh, so many people. Tom Hiddleston, uh, Kevin Hart. How tall is Kevin uh, Hart in real life? Uh, he's definitely. <laughs> if you ever reason, he's gonna be D- mad, but D- Diego Schwartzman. Di- t- taller or uh, shorter than I Diego Schwartzman? Shorter. And I, I mean, I know they made fun of his height and everything, but I didn't expect him to be that short. <laughs> um. <laughs> no offense to him. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What um, I I want to go sort of go back to your year because you you were saying early in the year like I, I want to be top I want to be top hundred by the end of twenty nineteen. Yeah. So you you had this ambition, but but it still it still mm-hmm. feels like fiction that you accomplished it. Yeah, because I guess when I made that goal, I wasn't really thinking about the limits for the tournament and all of that. Um, I actually sent my friend a text. I think it was like January 1st or 2nd saying, listing my goals to him. And, uh, I mean, every, I mean, and I told my dad, he was kind of shocked, but he never ever said something. Um, so he never gave me that sense. I mean, now he told me that he thought I couldn't do it, but he would never tell me that then he would never give me that sense because he wants me to go for all my dreams. And he just formulated a plan to help make that happen. And if you know it, <laughs> look at you look at you now yeah exactly um <laughs> how you mentioned your dad how, how are you most like him and how are you most like your mom um i feel like my dad we're both pretty stubborn people um we're i feel like we're both fiery and i think my dad has a, a more of a temper for me where my mom she's more chill and she's more like okay let's take things slow have patience and I'm in right, literally right in the middle. 
I do get them sometimes, but when I'm mad, I get mad, but my dad can go mad zero to real quick, whereas me, it takes a little, a little bit more. How's your jump shot? Um, I'm actually not, I'm working on it. <laughs> actually, I told my dad, I'm, we're going since the preseason. I, I made a goal to try to, to go every Sunday to work out at the basketball gym every Sunday with my brother because he plays. So I want to work on it. Oh man, don't don't get too good. We uh, we we can't see you going to the WNBA. You got to stay in tennis. No, we, I won't. Won't happen. But hey, my dad's a basketball player. I gotta I gotta I can't let like for example Chris Eubanks. He's coming. He's gonna spend a preseason week in Florida. And he claims he's good at basketball, so we're gonna see. He's got the height. I'll, I'll give him. Uh, yeah, he's I'll got, give him that. He has the height. He has the height, but I'm pretty sure he can't dunk, even though he's six seven. <laughs> at six eight. <laughs> six, at six eight. Oh man. No, he's six six or six seven. I don't think he can dunk. So. I think you he's just sold him out. You, you, I was gonna say you just sold out Chris Eubanks. <laughs> it's okay. He, he's used to it by now. <laughs> I always call him out. <laughs> um. Do you ever wonder what life would be if you were, you know, sophomore in high school, going to school, conventional life, no no Kawhi and no uh, Kyrie Irving and no Michelle Obama? Do you think much about that? Um, me, I actually, no, just because I felt like my whole life was kind of leading up to this moment. But if I could imagine that, I would say it's pretty, it'll be pretty bland and pretty boring just because. I mean, I can't imagine. I've been traveling the world my whole life, so I can't right. imagine just, you know, actually, if I didn't play tennis, we would probably be living in Atlanta because we moved to Florida because of tennis. So I honestly don't know how my life would be. And I, I think I would play a sport regardless just because I love competing. But um, obviously, tennis is kind of the sport people tend to go straight to pro instead of doing stopping in college first. So I think... If I didn't play tennis, I would probably say basketball because that's my second favorite sport. You wouldn't be a runner like your mom. Mm, I did actually do track and I liked it, but I think I feel like I would do dual. I feel like I would do basketball and track up until probably college. I would probably focus on basketball. That's what I feel like I would have done. Cause I actually like both, but I like basketball a little bit more than track. I saw your uh, I saw your Halloween photos. Yes. <laughs> you went pretty hard on Halloween. Yes. It took me a long time. I actually put a YouTube video of like how I dyed my braids and did the makeup. And I really love Halloween. It's my favorite. It's not really a holiday, I guess, but my favorite time of the oh, year. It's a great holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, in U.S. is a holiday. Everywhere else is not that popular. My coach is French and he's like, I mean, he thinks I'm crazy because <laughs> oh, they don't do Halloween too much, too much there. Um, so yeah, I, I love Halloween. I probably planned my costume for like a good month and it was, it was, a it was a good, it came out good and I was worried it didn't want to come out good. I was thinking you, uh, that, that was a reward for, uh, for a good October. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, but I remember you saying, uh, they, they, I don't know if you remember this. When you won in Lynch, they said, what are you going to use your prize money on? You remember what you said? Did I say a Halloween costume? You said a Halloween costume. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I had, two, this year I did two Halloween costumes. The first one I kind of made up in five minutes just because I wasn't really planning on doing it. And the second one was the Pennywise one. I mean, <laughs> I Very still have good. a lot of prize money left over because that costume, 
that costume wasn't in very bad expenses. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you didn't blow all your prize money on, uh, we, we, all love, no. we all love Stephen King, but... Uh, no, that costume was, uh, it was like probably $50 or $60 right. from Party City. So. I, think, I think you won more than that in Lintz. You know, I, I was going to ask you about Lintz. Um, what mm-hmm. can, can you go, go back there with me? What was the scene in the locker room after that loss in qualifying? Um, it was just kind of, actually, I think I practiced later after I lost. I'm pretty sure I practiced. Because yeah, you were, you were still in the doubles. After I lost, I practiced. Yeah. I remember, yes, we practiced after because we were just like, okay, um, you have one more tournament this year to complete your goal, which is Luxembourg. And we were getting ready to play, focusing on singles there and then focusing on the doubles and lengths. And then the next day, I mean, I'd never gotten in as a lucky loser in all my life of playing tennis. So I wasn't expecting to get in. But the next day, um, unfortunately, Sakari pulled out and then I got in. And then I just kept winning the matches. And I was holding the trophy. I'm thinking you you went back in that same locker room a week later, and this time you're yeah. hold, this time you're holding the trophy. Um, yes, I was getting ready. To, I was actually uh, getting ready to, to take the pictures on the river at the locker room as as the champion. Yes, as the champion or, or the bridge, wherever we took the pictures. Um, how how do you describe um, the vibe in the locker room in general? Um, well, actually, in Lentz, it was a small locker room, right. so I wasn't really spending too much time there. So no, but I mean, are, are the players really... are the players pretty cool with you when you when you walk around? What kind of reception do you get? Um, I mean, all the players are mainly nice to me. I mean, they're all older than me, so I don't. I mean, we talk, yes, but I mean, they're not my age group. I'm not there, so we're right. both we're talking about there. There's topics I'm interested in aren't t- topics they're interested in. Uh, but the players my age, like Katie, McNally, Whitney, um, we all talk to each other. But for the most part, I mean, we're friendly with each other. But like I said, the age difference is just kind of different. I mean, some like, for example, Nicole Gibbs, who I've known for a couple of years now, she's getting engaged. So <laughs> we both have different, we're both in different parts of our lives. So I don't feel like we'll, we'll ever be like close friends just because of the age, the age difference. Right. Man, she, it's, it's so funny you say that, but she, she got married. But when oh, no, you're, got married. yeah, no, engaged. but I'm thinking yeah, like when you're married, when you're 15, you know, when you're an adult, that's a big deal. When you're 15, like married, engaged, yeah, one of those. Um, yeah, she, that's a long. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's a long time. I'm not looking to do that anytime. Soon. You're, you're not looking to get married anytime soon. No. Um, how's it been? I mean, I know, you know, you, you've got a lot of requests coming in. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the, I, I was I was talking to your dad, and I said, you know, the, the Time One Hundred dinners tonight, and uh, am I am yeah. I gonna am I gonna see her there? And he said, no, nah, you know, we got we gotta you, you got to make some choices. You can't take every in- invitation. Yeah. How, how are you dealing mm-hmm. with all? How are you dealing with all this? Um, I've been dealing with it pretty well. I mean, I can't say yes to everything because I I didn't know the Time Dinner was tonight anyway, <laughs> but I just finished. Uh, just came from the Bahamas in L.A. for a week. I haven't I didn't haven't played tennis in a week but i just practiced or attempted to practice for the first time yesterday i played for like 20 minutes <laughs> i was playing pretty well but uh um, oh man yeah i just but i literally just finished fitness um about 13 minutes ago when we started this call as soon as i finished i called Gabe called you <laughs> I'm, I'm like your cool down um yes exactly so it's pretty hectic but i i it's definitely a good busy it's, i'd rather be busy than sitting here doing that have yeah. nothing to do How's all this uh, impacted your your big sisterhood? 
Um, somewhat. I don't know. I feel like it's different because I'm traveling more, so I see my brothers less. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because the less I see them, the more they tend to be nice to me because they know I'm going to leave again <laughs> and the less fights we have. And then, but now I have a long preseason, so I'm pretty sure we're going to get no, a lot of fights because I'll be, be home for a long time. I was going to say, it's, it's only mid-November. You got uh, you, you got six weeks in uh, at home now, right? Yep. Actually, I'm going to New Orleans for Thanksgiving just to on my dad's side of the family, but basically that's like a second home. So basically home for the next rest of the year. Oh, that's, so so what's, uh, what, what are the next six weeks like? I mean, what, what is preseason like when you're, uh, you know, a 15-year-old tennis player with limited events? Um, I actually don't know what this preseason will bring for me because I'm, I've never really had a real preseason because I've always played Orange Bowl for the longest time, and that's in December. And so I don't really know because I haven't really I started preseason yet, but I guess I can answer that in a couple of weeks because I'm like, this is my first real preseason because the rest of the time I've been playing tournaments I guess around this time of the year when I was a junior. So I don't really know what it brings to me. I know it's going to be tough, but I don't really know. <laughs> How did you hold up? Uh, I mean, obviously you you had a. You, you had an abbreviated schedule, but how would you hold up physical this year? How, how was your durability? Oh, for me, it was great. I'm knocking on wood now. I've never been injured before in my life, so knock on wood. Exactly. Um, so I guess basically a normal season for me, injury-free, happy, traveling the world, having fun. I was going to say, so, sounds like something worth signing up for. Yes, tennis is definitely the best gig I could ask for. What? Um, so, so fill in the blank here. It's like a fill in the blank question. Uh, twenty twenty will be a successful year if uh, if what? I mean, what, if um, if I rem- uh, if I re- remain having tunnel vision. What do you mean by that? Like not focusing on you know everything going on around me, not focusing on the interviews or what the people's opinions say. Just wor- worrying about the business. Yes. What's your um? What, what's you know? You you talked about um, you know all the the busyness of it all and tunnel vision. What what's your relationship with your phone? Um, when I look at my phone, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of messages. Uh, I don't know. My phone's actually pretty dry besides when I go on social media, but like texting, text messages wise, lies, I don't get really much, many people calling me or anything. But when I go on social media, there's a lot going on. Right. I hope you can separate the, uh, c- c- can you separate the, the vast army of supporters from the, uh, the few sociopaths out there? Yes. I mean, I don't, I mean, I find it funny just because. The thing sometimes the things things they come out with is just really <laughs> creative, right? Um, right. So yeah, I don't really give into too much to that just because, I mean, it's so like I literally probably get like maximum ten bad messages every two weeks, and compared to like the hundreds of good ones. Good. Keep keep that ratio. Uh, keep that ratio in mind. Um, yeah. All right. It's uh, it's it's Thursday night. What's what's the plan? Uh, Thursday night, we're driving back to the house, actually. We're going to do school, eat dinner, and then get ready for tomorrow. Hopefully it doesn't rain. 
You got a lot of homework? Yes. <laughs> All right. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, what, do you, what do you have homework in? Um, all the normal subjects, science, math, English, history. Oh, man. Um, yeah. All right. You're not at the time banquet because you're home doing homework. I don't, I don't want to keep you from math, science, and history. Go, uh, go do your homework. It was a pleasure talking, and uh, Thank you. we'll see you in Australia. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Take care of yourself. All right. Thanks to Coco Goff. That was uh, this week's podcast. That was this week's version of the middle-aged guy having a conversation with someone his daughter's age. But uh, what a um, what a lovely young woman. Uh, Jamie, remember we had Felix on uh, a few months ago? And I, I remember thinking, like, F- Felix is all well and good, but it's really his parents who I want to uh, shake their hands and congratulate. Boy, uh, Corey and um, Candy Goff ought to be very pleased with uh, the young woman they're raising. She's lovely, isn't she? She is. Everyone has been talking about Coco. We had Time do their Time 100 next a few weeks ago, and, and Billie Jean King wrote a little thing. And the, the thing that she said in, in the first sentence was that she has this certain it factor. And I think that's something we talk about a lot with players like Nadal and Federer, Djokovic. It's, it goes across the board, and from your conversation with her, you can you tell. You get a sense of that, right? That, yeah, exactly. You get a sense. I'll tell you a few things. One of them, we, we sort of missed our times to uh, connect, and I, I think you, we probably edited it out, but the first, uh, the first 90 seconds was just her being profusely apologetic. So you're thinking, you know, oh, here's another one of these already. The entitlements come, and they've blown our date, and we were supposed to have had this appointed time, and where is she? And her father called me saying, you know, don't worry. We're sorry we got the times wrong. And she was absolutely uh, profusely apologetic that uh, we, we missed our time, but we were able to connect. And I, I think you're right. I mean, I think one thing that's always struck me is how she resets. And that means resetting in a match when she loses a set. We, we saw that at Wimbledon. We saw that at the U.S. Open as well. I think that means reset after a defeat. Remember, when she won Linz in October, she had lost in qualifying. And the story was that Maria Sakari of Greece pulled out and Coco was there anyway because she was playing doubles and she was a lucky loser. So she loses in qualifying on one weekend, and the next weekend she's she's winning the trophy. And I also think there's just sort of a general reset. She really had to recalibrate this year. She says she won. I don't know if you caught that. Which, you know, her goal is to be top 100, and everyone sort of rolled their eyes and said, all right, little girl. And uh, <laughs> princesses and mermaids uh, are, are right down the street. But her father says, you know, her father says, I don't want to be a dream killer. And if she has these ambitions, bless her. And here she is top 75 and she doesn't need wild cards to get into events she's still restricted we can talk about that i mean i you, you want to have at that do you we, we talked about this a bit in the yeah, past but have. do you think she should just be entitled to go libertarian she's she's good enough to play she's good enough to play why, why are we holding her back or um do you, do you support these eligibility rules no i think the the fact that there's a little bit of uh protection or shelter there from um, you know, her doing too much too soon is a good thing. We've talked about that. Um, you know, I think you talk about her parents. It's it's interesting, again, to see how much um, they're involved in her coaching. Her dad specifically has given her pep talks and have, have come in during, during matches to coach her along. So the tennis parent-player relationship is uh, something that always intrigues me because I, I feel like you don't see it as much. Uh, in other sports as, as we see it here. So, yeah, no, I think the, the eligibility rules are good, and I think that she still needs to kind of have that 
um, little bit of, of protection uh, as she kind of figures out her way as she's only 15. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. she had a remarkable year aside from that. And then you put that and you factor that in. I think it's important. Um, I think there's a lot. I mean, this this is actually breaking as a very happy story right now because you don't, un- unlike other prodigies we've seen, you don't get the feeling that she's unhappy or overwhelmed, quite the opposite. I think she'd probably wish she played a little bit more. I think the WTA really gets a lot of credit. It must be very tempting to come up with some loophole or to relax these rules when you have, you know, Serena Williams is 38 years old and we keep talking about the next Serena and here is this bubbly American 15-year-old there must be a real temptation in some quarters of the WTA to accelerate this, but so far that's being resisted. I give the tour a lot of credit. I give Serena Williams a lot of credit. Coco Goff will tell you she took up tennis because she saw Serena Williams. I think we're only going to hear more and more of these stories. I think her management group deserves some credit here. She could be making a lot of money. I don't know if you, you know, she was going trick or treating, and she she went to you know, Mark Knowles' event in the Bahamas, which. You know, it was probably a 45-minute flight from her home in South Florida. It's about the extent of, uh, you know, she could have gone to that Time 100 dinner. She could probably go every night of the week to uh, to an award ceremony. So, um, you know, knock wood, it does seem like there's a very solid foundation. You know, the, the results on court will be the results on court, but it does seem as though this is breaking quite nicely right now. I think the other thing that we overlooked is the fact that she's growing up in a completely different uh, world and age than someone like Serena. So the fact even that she has a very populated Instagram feed and that she's into all of that and she's growing up in that world, like I see it with some of my little cousins, you know, that they, that's just what they do and it's the world they live in. And, and the fact that she's decided to embrace that and she's not, as you say, you know, she doesn't seem unhappy or she's really just kind of living her life. I mean, even you look at her, uh, her bio, it says, I'm a kid with just a kid with with big dreams, you right, know? Right. So um, I, I feel like she's very open and honest about who she is, and and that has carried over into a lot of different aspects of her game and, and her life. I'll give you... Um, no, I think that's a good point. I, I will give you another point of departure and differentiation, which is the role of race. And, you know, I, I think I've said this before. When I started covering tennis, it was right dovetailed with, with the ascent of the Williams sisters. And in the late 90s. And every single story was quite rightly, I think, um, about these African-American sisters and race and Compton. And there were these these themes of, of race and inclusion. You don't really hear that with Coco. And I think, again, I think some of that is that the Williams sisters have done a lot of heavy lifting. I think some of that is that, you know, we, we heard with Sloan Stevens as well. Different people experience race differently. But it's really remarkable. It didn't come up a single time in the 45-minute conversation we just had Coco and I. It, it doesn't come up in her press conferences, and I, you know, po- post race has been disproven. I mean, that's that's sort of a, a phrase we roll our eyes at now. Um, so we don't want to sort of minimize this, but at the same time, it's really interesting to me how seldom you hear about race, and you can read an entire profile about her, and the fact that she's African American doesn't come up once. That was not the case twenty years ago with with Venus and Serena. So that's um, another way in which her ascent is different from other other players before her. And that speaks to so much how Venus and Serena have paved the way. Yeah, and I feel like tennis isn't quite sure what to do with this. Um race is a delicate topic and everybody sort of wants to be sensitive. This is a real sea change in tennis. And you think about what tennis's perception is. Look at the reality of women's tennis especially, not exclusively, but especially. And you know, from Sloan Stevens we had on 
last week, and I mean, just literally go down the list. And half of the prospects, you see it at the college level, you, you see it to, to some extent in junior tennis as well. This Williams effect is very real. And golf may be waiting for the Tiger effect to sort of come into effect. But the Williams sisters have dramatically changed the, the composition of tennis, especially on the women's side. There are a lot of players who were inspired by Venus and Serena. And look at the top 200 American players. Sloan Stevens among them, uh, Coco among them. Just go down. There's Sasha Vickery and Taylor mm-hmm. Townsend. I mean, we, we can just tick, tick off the names. And that doesn't mean they all experience race the same way. And Madison Key's idea of race might not be Sloan Stevens. But the right. truth of the matter is uh, it's a really nice story to tell. It's a bit of a tricky story to tell. But Venus and Serena's impact on the sport is, is very, very apparent. And I'm not sure that the USDA, the WTA, the media, I'm not sure we quite nailed down how to tell the story right. But I think... Um, sort of the the empirical uh, results yeah. of the empirical results. Exactly. It, you see it. Um, I mean, you see it across all industries and stuff. I mean, even, uh, even just beyond race, just for gender. I mean, seeing more female executives or seeing, um, you know, females in higher standing roles is something that I personally see as something that I look up to. So I think it's just important for someone like Coco to just like – unabashedly say I have big dreams and this is who I am it just as you say that just goes to show you how much of an impact I like this idea of I don't want to be a dream killer you know what your 15 year old dreams big that beats beats the alternative um do you uh do you have Davis Cup fever we are recording this on a Tuesday morning uh interesting first day in Madrid are you uh you following the action I do not. Have Could Davis. you follow the action? Is unfortunately um, a, a question. We <laughs> I do not as well. have Davis Cup fever, and I will say I didn't even get to watch as much of uh, ATP Finals. It was a lot of following on Twitter versus, uh, you know, there's really, as you say, no place to watch it. I mean, it's not on anything besides Tennis Channel, and if you don't have that, what are you doing? You're 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 left to follow along. Who so. have tennis Channel. <laughs> um, no, I I mean, I thought the London event was a big success. I. Do you think that uh, you know, Sitsipas' team was a great final? 7-6 in the third, two one-handed backhands, um, a great match that did not figure um, and did not uh, involve any of the big three. I do think um, we need to – history has taught us to, to hold off a bit on christening the year-end champion, the, the player to beat in the subsequent year. Um, again, I stress best of five is a lot different from best of three, but great event in London. And then I think, you know, it's, it's early. It's Tuesday. We should probably – Reserve judgment, some first day uh, glitches from uh, from the Davis Cup in Madrid. You know, I, I my sense is um, some people are giving it a wider berth than others. And look, it's the first year in a van. It's a completely new format. It's a completely right. new city. I mean, you would expect things to uh, to have to be a little glitchy. Um, we'll see what gets corrected, what doesn't. I suppose the uh, the postmortem and the debrief a week from now will be quite considerable. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we. By, by all means, should be constructively critical of this Davis Cup. But the flip side is let's let's not romanticize the problems that the old format uh, had. Um, I'm thinking that for next week, you know what you and I might want to do? Tell me. Why don't we do our year-end awards? For all intents, the, uh, the seasons are done, and the 2020 season will be upon us shortly. I'm thinking we hand out some awards next week. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Um, All right. That does it for this week. Thanks to uh, Coco Goff. Lovely conversation. And uh, we will have another podcast next week. Keep the reviews coming. Subscribe. Leave a review. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. And uh, have a good week, everyone.